So Colossians chapter two, we're gonna we'll start actually in the first part of first uh, verse of that, and I'll just read for a little bit here. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have had for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. To reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. In him, you, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Okay, we're going to stop right there. We're going to keep going in a minute, but we'll stop there. But I want us to understand the world in which we live, the church world in which you and I are living in today, it is mostly ruled by um, how people want what people want. Um, the, the churches in which we live in the United States are mostly ruled by what people desire. Um, I've, I've done a little study on mega churches in America. Most of them, when they start, what they typically do is that they'll set up a survey that they either send out online or they send out to the people that are their members or their potential members. And I, and I looked through some of those surveys this week. And, and the surveys, some, these are the questions. How can the church serve you? What would you like to see out of your church how does the church music resonate with you? What do you want to see in your student ministry program? Now, those questions in and of themselves are not bad questions, right? Those, they're not bad questions. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be the guy that stands here and says those questions are bad. But I will say this. I want you to see what is the focus of those questions. What was the onus of those questions? Me. What, how can the church serve you? How can the, re, the music resonate with you how can the student ministry help you and so i want us to see what the the surveys that are given by these churches and it's not just big churches it's smaller churches like ours as well where we see the onus is no longer on how can we glorify god but rather how can we serve you but and i and i want to press this out and i want to share this with you i believe that if we glorify god first then all that other stuff will come amen we glorify God first. We do the things that we do in the room, in the places, in the community to glorify God. And as a result of that, we will serve people. We will love people well. We will help people. But the goal should not be, number one, to serve people. The goal, first and foremost, should be that God's glorified by the proclamation of the gospel. Amen? That, that should be our goal. And honestly, like I said, I understand the questions. But I believe firmly that we need to ask the question, first and foremost, God, how can you be glorified through what I do here? How can you, Christ, be glorified through what I do here? Galatians chapter 1 tells us, uh, 10 through 11 says, and I'm reading this, and I've pulled some, some New Living Translations just so I've, Sam has become my, it's my new, one of my new favorites for studying and and pulling that, so I love this. I am not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. 
Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based upon mere human reasoning. So I I want us to think about this. Think about this. In Colossians, Paul talks about making sure that he remains true to the biblical gospel. Now, I I want us to also look at verse 4 in Colossians 2. He says this. I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with a well-crafted argument. That's, that's, that's basically what it's saying. He, I don't want you to be deceived by a well-crafted argument. That there are two churches he, he references here. Number one is the church of Colossae. Hence Colossians. The church of Colossae and the church of Laodicea. So I want us to look at the first church, is, which is Colossae. Now, Colossae and and Laodicea, they were sort of kind of neck and neck with insanity. They were neck and neck with bad things. The church of Colossae brought in Gnosticism. This, this idea that there are multiple roads to God. And this is, didn't that sound familiar? Oprah, Oprah says that, I listened to Oprah one time say this, that all of us are on the road to God, we're just taking different paths. Well, this is what was taught in Colossians. They were Christians. There were men in pulpits preaching and teaching that, listen, Jesus isn't the only way. The old, if you want to find your way to God, you just use your path that you want to get to. You get in here and you... Jesus isn't the final authority and the final way to heaven. There are multiple avenues. Scripture isn't the final authority. There are multiple avenues of authoritative documents that you can use. You don't have to use just the Scriptures. So this is being taught in churches in, um, in, in Colossae. Golly, I couldn't even say it. So... Paul is concerned about these things. He sees that this is a problem. He sees that there are men and women that are being deceived, that, that, that they're hearing the message not of, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. They don't hear that. They're hearing, hey, if you want to get to God, you can get to God any way you choose. It's totally fine. You just do you, boo. That's my interpretation of that. <laughs> But that, that's the first concern that he has. And so we've got Colossae that just sort of kind of willy-nilly Gnosticism where you're just bringing in anything and everything that comes to the door and we'll accept whatever it is. God will accept any form of worship just as long as you say you're trying to get to God. It's okay. No, 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 no. I will contend for the power of the scriptures. The only way you get to God is through Jesus. Amen? Amen. Like that's it. Christ is the only way you are entering eternal life. The only way for salvation is for, from Jesus and Jesus alone. And if you're attempting to find any other route, any other way to get to Christ, you're gonna, there's a problem. We live in a church world where, where people don't want preachers to stand and confront sin and sinful lifestyles. We have men and women who craft arguments that might sound really well in their setup. They might sound really great. Like, like, think about this. When, someone, when you hear somebody on TV, they just say, God loves everyone, and everyone's going to get to God eventually. Doesn't that, like, in our humanness, we say, man, I, I like that message. Why? Because there's no moral standard there. I can live any way I want. I can do whatever I want with whoever I want, and there's no consequences. 
Well, the problem with that, well, is the Bible. The Bible tells us that there's only one way. And we need to pursue Him. His name is Jesus. And so we've got these men and women who stand behind pulpits like this this morning. Who will craft well sounding arguments that say you can do anything you want, you can get to God, you don't have to give up your sin, you don't have to do anything, you can just willy-nilly bar the door, just do whatever you want. Paul's telling folks here that he wants them to understand the gospel and that the gospel is so vitally important for them to make it. And that's the message for us today. And so not only that, he talks about the church of Laodicea. That's the second church he addresses, the church of Laodicea. Laodicea, the word Laodicea means human rights or the right of the people. Thus, this was a church in the Bible. This is a historical church that was governed, was governed by the will of the people rather than the will of God. Laodicea just simply means the people speak or the people's rule. Now, Laodicea was referenced in Revelation chapter 3. It talks about this. He says in Revelation chapter 3 verse 15, I know your works, church of Laodicea. I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold. I would, be, I would rather you would either be hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you, for you say, church of Laodicea, you say that you're rich and that you're prosperous and that you need nothing. Not realizing that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Like, this is the bulk of people sitting in pews this morning in the church world. We have men and women who claim to know the God of the universe, yet they have no real evidence of a saving grace that has transformed their life. Rather, they, they're content with trading an authentic, vibrant relationship with Jesus for a religious experience, having a, an appearance of godliness. They've got just enough. They, they show up. They, they, got, they show up to services. They might tithe. They might sing. They might even serve. But yet, they're lukewarm when it comes to actually loving Christ. They've got, in their mind, they've got just enough Jesus. They think they've got just enough Jesus on one side. They've got just enough of Jesus that they feel like they, that God's okay with them. I've got just enough of Jesus. I feel like I'm okay. You, just, you have enough religious experiences that you, in your psyche, have made yourself feel like you're okay with God. But you've also got just enough of the world to have fun. I'm having just enough fun that I'm not a stiff. I'm not boring. I'm not a loser. I've got just enough of the world, but I've also got just enough of the church world to make me feel like I'm safe. What's the text say? Because you're neither hot nor cold, you make me sick and I want to vomit you out of my mouth. Like, this is, this is a big problem. People that want to have an appearance of godliness, but have no power, like that's dangerous. They, they mix the things of the world with the things of God, and that is not a recipe for goodness. That is a recipe for disaster. They've got one foot in the camp of Christ, and the other foot in the den of the devil. And what's insane is that many people are content with this. 
They're content to live in this state. In this state. Let me just, I, I just want to tell you this because I love you. If this is you, if you've got one foot in the camp of Christ and you feel like you're okay, but you've got another foot in the world and you're feeling like you want to have a good time in life, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you this. You're not a Christian. How can you say that, Caleb? Because God's word just said you're not. I didn't say it. That offends me, Caleb. I've got a problem with that. Take it up with the Lord Jesus Christ, not me. I'm just reading the text. My job is to read the text. The text says that if you've got one foot in the camp of Christ and one foot in the den of the devil, you make God sick and he wants to throw you up. Now, I want you to see this. God's redeemed children do not make him sick. He actually delights in his kids. He's a father who delights in his children. It's people that are posing as his children that make him sick. So you've got to ask yourself a question this morning. Are you a poser? Are you posing as one of Christ's kids? Because you're only fooling yourself. There's not, you're, not, you're not fooling God. He sees every crevice of your life. He sees every corner of your life. And every thought and every, even the intentions of your thoughts he sees. So I want us to go back to Colossians. Let's read this again. Verse 2. I want you to know how great a struggle I have had for you. And for those in the church of Laodicea, for all who have not been able to see my face. So Paul is struggling here because Paul has a burden for the church. Paul loves the church. Paul has a desire to see the men and women in the church. He, he has a desire here. He's, he's, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Why? What's the struggle? That their hearts may be encouraged and knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding the knowledge of God's mercy, which is Christ. In Him, who has hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, for I say, in order that no one may delude you with a well-crafted argument. They wouldn't deceive you with a well-crafted argument. Uh, like, guys, I want us to see this, that Paul's telling people in the church that he wants them to know with full assurance what the gospel is. He wants them to be sold out for the cause of Christ. He wants them to have solid biblical faith. He wants them to understand who Jesus truly is. He wants the church to be filled with men and women who are mature in Christ. He wants, he, he does not want them to be sucked into silly doctrines, fables, false teachings. He doesn't want the church to have itching ears and accumulate for themselves pastors that'll just scratch the itch. And say, oh, you're, oh you're, good. you're awesome. You're okay. You're a good guy. You're a good girl. I know you're living in sin, but it's okay. No, that's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, I want you to be mature in Christ. I want you to know Jesus more than I want you to know anything else. I want you to long for Christ more than you long for anything else. That's what I want for you. He wants them to have a heart of commitment to the scriptures and not to the things of the world. And then how does he end it up? Go to verse 6. I love this. Verse 6 in Colossians 2. 
Therefore, because of what I've just told you in verses 1 through 5, I want you to see this. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Like, walk in Him, Stay grounded in Him. Don't let anything or anyone cause you to stray from the truth. Stay grounded in biblical truth. Seniors, I'm going to address the seniors for a minute. It's Senior Sunday. I, I, I love that the text lines up with what we're doing. I want you to see this, seniors. The world's fixing to get weird. You thought it was tough in high school. It's going to get weirder. Can I get an amen from adults? Okay, just making sure. Yeah, it's going to get weird. And those of you that are going to college, you're going to meet professors. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, they're morons. They're going to say things to try to cause you to stumble in your faith. They're going to say things like, that book is a silly book of fables. God's a fairy tale. He's just a sky daddy. That's what these atheists call him. How do I know? Because I've got some atheist friends who, that's what they call him. This, this book is just a book of fables. Like, This is Paul telling you this morning, don't be deceived by men and women that have well-crafted arguments because this is what's going to happen is you're going to stand, you're going to sit in those, those rooms and you're going to hear these professors and man, it's going to sound right. It's going to sound smart. It's going to sound awesome. But I'm going to tell you on the authority of God's word, they're wrong and you need to ignore them. Ignore what these professors tell you. If they stand in, the, in their classroom and say, God's dead, God's worthless, this is, a, this is a myth, you can't prove Jesus, ignore them. Ignore them. Ignore them. What's the text say? Stay grounded in Him. Stay rooted in Him. Built up in Him and established in your faith just as you were taught. You've been taught for... Tw- most of you, I'm, some of you in here, most of you in here have been taught... God's word. You've had parents and grandparents that have sown the seeds of God's word in your heart. Do not forsake those things. Stay rooted and grounded in God's word. Don't let the fables shift you into what you need to, or what you think you need. Stay rooted and grounded in what you know, what you've been taught, the scriptures. This is the final authority. In 10,000 years, you will have that degree you get. It's going to be great. I'm glad you're getting a degree. But in 10,000 years, that degree will be meaningless. And all that will matter is this, the, the truth of God's word. You will stand on God's word for the next 10,000 years. That's it. And church folks, we can't be a church that is ruled by the will of the people. We have to be ruled by the will of God's word. God's truth has to be our guiding light. We cannot have, don't let anyone or anything cause the church to stray from the truth of the gospel. Don't let lazy preachers cause you to let your guard down. Like this couple weeks ago, I listened to a guy online. I, I struggled I may have said some choice words while I was listening, but he literally is like, hey, today's message, we've got seven reasons why you should be excited for Jesus. I'm sorry, what? He, he actually said this. 
Jesus wants you to be enthusiastic, so be enthusiastic. I wanted to get in my car and drive over to that church and have a stern talking with that man. Jesus is not concerned with your enthusiasm. Jesus is concerned with your holiness. 1 Peter 1.16 says, For the scriptures say, You must be holy because I'm holy. We cannot accumulate for ourselves teachers that scratch our itching ears. We need men who stand in the pulpit who say, Thus saith the Lord about every circumstance in life. If you're living in a sinful lifestyle, you need to repent. If you're forsaking the Lord in your life, you need to repent. This should be our desire as His children to walk in Him. Like that's my hope for us as a church, that we would see Him as beautiful and glorious and amazing and preeminent above all else and that we would not be sucked into the silliness of the world. Like the world is insane right now and people are believing stuff that we shouldn't be believing. We're, we're falling for tricks and Satan is laughing all the way to the bank. But I want you to understand this, that God's sovereign over all things and that God is preeminent and He is the one to be worshipped. He is the one that's in charge. At the end of this, He will get glory out of the atheist. He will get glory out of those who follow him. You say, how does he get glory out of the atheist? How does he get glory out of the lost person? Because that person will be an object of his wrath and judgment or an object of his mercy. Either way, God gets the glory. Now, I'm just going to say, I want to be the guy that is an object of his mercy, grace, and affection. That's, that's what I want. I do not want to be the guy that's an object of his wrath. But I will say this. Even at the end of this, if I get hell, God still deserves to be worshipped. That's, that's one we don't like to hear. That's the one we don't like to hear because we're contractual people. And we say, wait a minute, I said a prayer, I need this. Saying a prayer is like, saying a prayer and repeating a prayer. Jesus, forgive me, my friend. Jesus, forgive me. Like, that's not, you don't see that anywhere in the text. You know what God tells you to do? Repent. And repentance is not just saying you're sorry. Repentance is a genuine lifestyle change. And if there's not a genuine lifestyle change, then I'm going to contest that your salvation. If you're still loving and pursuing sin and there's no problem, you have no issue with sin, stop calling yourself a Christian because you're not. You're not. If, you lo- if your sin doesn't bother you, that's a problem. Your sin should bother you. My sin bothers me. Does your sin bother you? Like I detest my... That's one of the things I'm looking forward to with my resurrection body. Along with having just, you know, amazing fitness. But uh, I'm also... Why are you laughing at me, honey? My wife's... That's one of the things I'm most excited about is I don't have a sin nature anymore. Jesus is going to redeem that. He's going to nail that thing to the tree and I don't have to deal with a sinful nature. Man, that, I'm so excited about that. Amen. That God's going to redeem that. So my, 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 my hope for us this morning is this, that we would stay grounded. As Paul says here, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit. By human traditions according to the elements of truth or the elements of, of, a, of a spirit of the world 
and not according to Christ. Like, stay grounded in Him, stay rooted in Jesus, long for Him, know Him. You say, well, Caleb, I don't know who He is. I, I, I'm, I'm a guest here. I came here for Senior Sunday. I have no idea who this guy is that you're talking about. I'm going to tell you this. Jesus is the God of the universe. He came 2,000 years ago and He laid his life down for you. He came in human form, was born of a Virgin Mary. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. We, he came as a, as, a, as a Savior in human flesh, wrapped in skin. And he came and he lived a perfect life because you can't. I can't. But he did live a perfect life. And Christ came and he lived that perfect life. And he died on the cross and shed his blood to take your place. Because every one of us in the room deserves to die a horrible, horrific death because of sin the, the scripture says for the wages of sin Romans 6 23 the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ Jesus Christ came and he lived that perfect life and died on the cross to take your place to take your place take my place and as a result of that I now get the grace of God and not the the justice of God I get the mercy of Christ rather than what's due me. Christ took my penalty and I get his paradise. I get, the, I get heaven and forgiveness and reconciliation to the God of the universe because of what Jesus did on the cross. And because of that, what needs to happen is you have to repent. 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins that he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness not just some of it but all of it my hope for you this morning is that you would come and you would lay your hope and your trust and your faith in Christ in Christ alone that he would be your everything that you would be grounded and rooted in him seniors as you embark on the adventures of your life it's going to be awesome some of it's not going to be awesome but some of it, most of it will be awesome. I'll just go ahead and tell you. Um, but stay, whatever comes your way, I'm going to echo Paul here. Stay rooted and grounded in him. Established in your faith. Having, living in what you've been taught. Living a thankful lifestyle to Christ. Loving him more than you love the world. That's what we need. That's what we need. More than anything, guys, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. Our guests that are here today, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for being here. But if you don't know who Jesus is this morning, you don't know who Christ is, like, while we're eating cake, come talk to me. I would love to sit down and share who Jesus is with you if you don't know who he is. He'll change your life. He'll take you on some crazy adventures. He'll take you on some pretty, pretty amazing places. You'll see things that are incredible through his eyes. You'll be a part of amazing stuff. And what's most, what's most amazing at the end of this is you get Jesus. And he is all that matters. He is the one that's beautiful. He's the one that's glorious. And he's the one that's worthy to be praised. Amen. Amen? You got to stand with me. Sing with me. Amazing grace.
all. Thank you for being here. Um, downstairs we've got some cake and some punch. We're going to have a time of fellowship and to celebrate our seniors. Love you all. We'll see you soon. Yeah,